are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you were one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you, inspiring you, helping you out, helping you get through it in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, Robinhood, Simple Contacts, and Bombfell. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who knows where he's going to be this April 14th in Westeros, baby. It's Christian Spicer. Hey, Christian. I like, I like the way while it was uh, overly stated feedback about the Jeff and his babies, does Jeff back down in the face no, of, I double down. I don't back down. I double down. That's how I do. <laughs> Same thing when you go to Kentucky Game fried of- chicken, right? You don't back down, you double down. Yeah, I guess that's the that's how they got the double down. Are you excited about Game of Thrones, dude? I'm more excited about uh, uh, true crime. True crime. I don't even know the name of it. I'm more excited about that other show that starts tonight. That true I don't detective. Know the name of. Yeah, thank you. We're literally not watching because we're doing this. <laughs> I never watch HBO Live because right. I'm a now person. HBO Now person. So um, right. HBO someday person. Also, also, and I want to get to the show, but uh, that just the little snippets we've seen of the Watchmen show. Looks mm. intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. It could actually be good. I don't know. I, I dare not hope. <laughs> uh, but I will hope that uh, you guys are excited because we have an awesome show for you. We got lots to talk about. We got games we've been playing and we have got an awesome new guest for you. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for dangerous like a lion in combat because <laughs> that sounds that sounds ferocious right and we've got I love it. we've got twitch broadcaster and god tier gamer one of my favorite people ferociously steph is with us hey steph hello hello glad to be here it's awesome glad to have you uh we we've talked uh, a lot in person but i'm so glad to finally talk to you uh on the show and I, i'm a fan of of your stuff and uh so i'm, I'm excited to to have you on yeah cool all right, let's jump right in. We got lots of stories this week, some crazy news. Uh, so let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Lots of cool folks there. You should hang out. You should uh, you should check it out if you're listening. Um, but Steph, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think I'm I'm most excited about the new HTC headsets. Oh I thought, yes, because I I just got into um, I just got a Vive a VR for the first time like a month ago. So I've got a like new VR excitement. It's 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 awesome. <laughs> oh, welcome to the dawn. I am so excited. Uh, uh, I, we can talk about Christian. Can you know you can take a break. We can talk about uh, awesome. This week was CES, so these there were some big CES announcements. And like you, Steph, I am super excited. Chief among them for me was 
HTC not leaving the VR space as Christian predicted in our predictions uh, episode. You're, you're cutting out a whole bunch, just saying all I hear is Christian was right, Christian was no, right. Was no, that? Christian could not, could not have been more wrong. Uh, <laughs> HTC, instead of leaving the VR space, announced not one, but two new VR headsets. That's what I meant. They left the old <laughs> VR space. <laughs> uh, so we, we got the Vive Pro I, which is like the, the Vive Pro, which was uh, recently their, their most recent addition to the line. Uh, but this one has eye tracking. And then a new, even more new, exciting um, headset that's going to be called Vive Cosmos, which we saw pictures of, but we I don't really know that's Tyson's they- headset. Yeah, I really like how they announced it too. The Vive Cosmos is kind of just like, by the way, we have a competitor for Quest. Yeah, and that's it. It's just you know, kind of, it was just like a flex. But yeah, uh, I was into it. We're yeah, we're 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 uh, we're in the game. We're in the game. Um, and it sounds like I mean, we don't know much about it. We saw we saw images, um, but they say more coming soon as far as details. But we do know that they hinted at. Well, they, we do know that it has inside-out tracking, which is great. This, that's where it tracks your movement without the need of external cameras of any kind. And or Pixar sensors. characters help. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, inside-out tracking. Uh, it senses your emotions. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, it, the, and also, they hinted at uh, the fact that it will not only – it can be powered by a PC like the Vive or potentially other devices like smartphones or tablets. So the idea is that it will be sort of uh, able to plug into a variety of different kinds of devices. We don't know how that's going to work exactly, but um, Steph, it sounds like this is exciting to you. Oh, in- incredibly. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, just, I feel like VR is absolutely the future. I've been it just it's it's like it's like mind expanding to put on the headset for the first time. There's really no other way to explain it. It's like wow, wait a minute, I forgot that I was in my room. Like that that's mind blowing for games. Yeah, and and it seems like uh, HTC is really uh, in it to win it. They also announced a new subscription service. They well, they actually already have a subscription service called Viveport, but um, they're adding a new tier of that called. Uh, Viveport Infinity, which will give uh, subscribers access to instead of five titles, which is what Viveport does, five hundred titles. So you get uh, just a, a whole bunch of content. They haven't announced what the pricing is going to be on that subscription, um, but uh, it's a, certainly a way to consume a lot of really awesome VR content. Um, it sounds like they're you know they're really invested. They want to be an alternative to steam vr and other and oculus obviously so yeah it got me excited too uh christian what do you what do you make of all this i think cosmos is very exciting i think i have more questions at the moment than i do answers where my reading up on it it seemed like they kind of pitched it as this wireless headset but it might launch with a wire but it might need a computer but it won't (laughs) but but maybe it does and but look how awesome it is. And then I think there were like some videos of people playing. I think it was, um, oh my goodness. It's been one of the, it's one of those days. The VR. Beat Saber? Not Beat uh, The one I saw, it super looked hot? like it, it was um, Time Moves When You Move. My gosh. It's oh, going to be super a lot. Hot. Thank you. Super hot. 
to all our listeners, I apologize. It's not late. I have no excuse. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw some videos, I think, of people playing super hot in it. And it looked, there was like the handler with, they're like in a hotel room. And it looked like the handler was like, like trying to keep it because you had so much freedom. You're not tethered in any way, shape or form. And it looked like people were having a lot of fun with it. But I am curious about um, price point, power, and whether or not it needs to be cabled. Like all of the details, basically, I think are what makes or breaks this thing to me but that idea of the wireless headset that doesn't require sensors or being tethered to a pc is um is game changing in the vr space in in a, in a really big way it's like uh, to me while I, I really enjoy ar the biggest thing about magic leap when we played it jeff was that i wasn't tethered to anything and i didn't require any cameras or sensors right it's just freedom to move around space and and as vr starts doing that more and more um, I think we're going to see more adoption of the technology. And as the price drops too, right? I mean, I yeah. think it's going to be interesting to see what the prices on these. It seems like the messaging at their event at CES was that they're still very much connect, committed to being uh, serving a very high-end audience and being the Ferrari of VR headsets. And that seems to me to be what this Vive Pro I um, skew is. Uh, it's got eye tracking, which serves two purposes. It'll let you sort of use your eyes as input devices. So if you stare at something long enough in a menu, for example, it'll know that you're staring at that thing and you can select things with your eyes. I didn't look at buy. I didn't look at buy. (laughs) Why does it always think I looked at buy? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why they had to introduce that subscription service. You're not constantly buying everything you're looking at. Another pizza's Uh, coming, babe. Sorry. (laughs) My fault. I just was staring at the pepperoni. (laughs) Um, but, but, uh, the, you know, that's less interesting to me than, than the other use of the eye tracking, which is foveated rendering, which is a process by which, um, a, the, the image that you're looking at is rendered at a very high fidelity where you're looking. And then around the edges in your peripheral vision, it takes some of the stress off of your graphics card or the renderer by sort of leaving it a little blurry and, and less detailed because your eye doesn't really care. You don't notice around the edges where you're you're not staring. Uh, That can be sort of a less detailed because your eye doesn't need that much information. So it's a way to, to um, preserve resources and allow for more sophisticated images where you're actually looking. And that to me is pretty exciting too. So both of I'm these kinda, products seem cool. Go ahead, Steph. I'm kind of skeptical about that. Just like just just hearing about like where you look gets rendered differently at a and that it it does is there a delay on that? Or are we expected to think that it's just like it's higher resolution by the time that information reaches our brain? Yeah, hopefully that's that's the idea. Like I noticed um there are some games that do it already, uh and um I catch it sometimes. I'm like, hey, that's and then you look over there and it it, it, but it doesn't because those games don't actually have eye tracking. They have right. it, they use the head tracking to do that. Um, so theoretically, the eye tracking will be sophisticated enough to never be behind where you're looking. Um, That's wild. Yeah, it is pretty wild. I know tech is capable of that, but it's just Im- impossible to imagine, <laughs> right? Right. Magic, and, and not I'm not trying to say AR, 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 but the again, like the tech, and I don't know how it works, but the Magic Leap that we played with had some version of not that exact thing, but of like actual um, like tilt shift focusing. So it kind of knows if something is in front of you and if you're looking past it, it would blur that. I don't understand 
how that works, what the technology is behind that, but I experienced that. So since I experienced that, I'm more inclined to assume that this eye tracking can can do something similar with like rendering what I'm looking at. But also, I think there's super interesting gameplay mechanics in flipping that on its head. Like horror in VR is already horrific (laughs) to use the word again and like imagine like um eternal darkness or you know sanity effects that's something where it's like the thing you're looking at isn't clear because it knows you're looking at it or like obscuring your vision i think it opens really cool um potential for some really cool ideas where it's like this isn't how things look in the real world and the game's like yeah (laughs) we got you that's terrifying like a like a killer that you can't see like if you make eye contact with it you're that's how you lose what was that black mirror episode uh angel eyes where it's like the the woman like when the kid when the daughter was oh yeah very mild spoiler when the 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 woman has a daughter when she's young she's like scared of dogs and it's like input uh ocular input you can like blur it out so now she walks by the house with the mean dog and just sees i think it's like a little blurry cloud or whatever um (gasps) yeah yeah, she can't see violence or like any sex or any yeah. you know rated R content. Like her whole life, just it just automatically blurs it out. Yeah, we can have that. Yay! <laughs> Not that, <laughs> the game version of that. <laughs> well, either way, I, I agree with Steph. I'm I'm super excited for for this. What seems like we're finally getting the Gen two uh, headsets, and I expect more. You know, there's rumor that that Steam or that Valve is going to announce a, a new headset and we have uh, Oculus Quest coming soon. So uh, all this stuff, I think, bodes very well for that tech. And, and I'm right there with Steph being excited about it. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, there's a lot this week for beginning of the year. Things are ramping up. To me, the biggest story, I think, is Bungie and Activision. It seems like... Um, they're not breaking up. They're, they, it's a mutual decision. Bungie didn't get dumped. Activision, you know, they decided to go separate ways. They're both still friends. You know, uh, Destiny's still going to be on Battle.net. They still talk to each other. Like, they still text yeah, from time to time. If you were friends with both of them before, you have to pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's cool. We, we're still all getting together this weekend at the game, at the big game. Yeah. We're still all going to be there. Yeah, um, but that's like two weeks later. That's it, There's people are going to be talking about each other <laughs> behind their back. Yeah, it's like, uh, so the news, the actual news, is that Bungie is leaving Activision. They are severing – that relationship is being severed. Then Bungie is taking Destiny with them. And it has been eight years of this initial, as it was pitched, 10-year plan and partnership. And Bungie says they are still working on exciting stuff with uh, Destiny, and they will still be working on that franchise. It is currently going to remain at Battle.net, but also, as we talked about oh, maybe a month ago – um, Bungie got a hundred million dollar, I believe it was cash infusion or money from NetEase to work on a new IP. And then there was two months ago, I think it was where Activision was saying, Hey, destiny Two forsaken did not live up to expectations. And then Bungie like quickly tweeted out, they lived up to ours. <laughs> like we love our community. So it seemed like, um, things were a little rocky between the two before Activision has certainly had, it seems like it's share of shakeups on the the top end of the executive team. And now Bungie leaving, I would be concerned uh, that maybe trouble in Activision land, but for Jeff pointing out to me uh, during the week that Bungie makes all of their money from mobile games anyway, so they don't care about Bungie. <laughs> you mean Activision makes all their money from Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Activision. Sorry, I said Bungie. Activision. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes. Uh, Activision make, makes Candy Crush and Candy Crush made what a billion dollars. Oh. Yeah. in just in revenue last in 2018. So that's a lucrative game. Um, it makes, yeah, this it, it makes understanding why they would let Bungie take destiny, right? They're like, okay, <laughs> this worked out. It's an interesting thing. Activision used to be this place that had these, these giant franchises and it seems like there's fewer and fewer of them. Um, and this is major news. This is sort of industry reshaping news in the sense that uh, Bungie is now becoming a self-publisher uh, with Destiny. And that's pretty crazy how that game – I mean, that is a big AAA major franchise that you have to assume benefited greatly from the Activision machine, the PR, marketing, sales, distribution arm of that massive company and the fact that you know how is Bungie going to handle that are they are we going to see a partnership with somebody else are they going to you know it seems like they're going to do it themselves which is a huge undertaking and um so far Bungie has said that basically players can expect no change on the Destiny 2 front as far as content that they've promised we're still getting together for the big game yeah yeah it's totally normal um you know we still we, we have the dog, but if anybody wants to play fetch with the dog, you can come over. Um, what do you make of this, Steph? What do you think about it? Uh, I think it's probably a good thing for Bungie. I, f- I feel like Activision's name is, isn't held very high recently. Uh, with with Activision, Activision has been kind of thrown under the bus for the Heroes of the Storm changes and has kind of been the scapegoat for a lot of uh, questionable decisions Blizzard has been making. Uh, whether or not that's true, like we we don't know. Uh, but I remember we do know, we do know remember, that there are two CFOs that got fired. <laughs> They're departed, wow. I should say. Yeah, and companies change all the time. Like people do move in and out of companies all the time. I remember I, I grew up playing Marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, first Bungie game. Yeah, right. Uh, but that, and then and then Bungie got bought by Microsoft, I believe. I don't know when they passed over to Activision, but. So this is going to be the first time they're they're on their own for in a while. Yeah, I, I was mentioning to Christian earlier in the week that uh, this is, seems to me like a be careful what you wish for kind of situation because when Bungie left Microsoft, they were celebrating and so excited about their new partnership with Activision that was going to let them have all this more freedom and do their own thing and make this game they've been wanting to make. And it's like, well, it sounds like they got they got in bed with another. Uh, another master that they weren't too happy to serve uh, again. So maybe this is right. Maybe you're right. Maybe this is the best possible solution to just be their own master. Well, I think Steph had some great points where Bungie's been independent before, right? They've granted years ago and how many people at that Bungie are still at this Bungie, but there, there is corporate experience of it. Self-publishing is appears to be easier now than ever um, with the proliferation of game stores and uh, digital storefronts and not requiring brick and mortar. You don't need to spin up discs, product, warehousing, shipping, all of that stuff. You can kind of get your product in front of people. Well, that's the question. I mean, for a game like Destiny does have all that stuff. Are they going to well, pull back from that? Destiny does, but I'm saying games in general don't. I know that there are physical versions of Fortnite that you can buy and PUBG launched with a box on Xbox. Like you go to the store, you could buy a box that would then have a paper code in it to download. But when PUBG 
took over the world, you know, for those months or that year when it was in early access, it was only on Steam, right? Like it was just a digital game from a small company. And Epic, when they launched Fortnite, was digital only. I think Minecraft was digital only if we want to get in the Wayback Machine when it happened and self-published. So there's precedent for this. And Bungie certainly has a community now. You know, it's not an upstart like, hey, we're a collection of people that worked on Witcher and, you know, some guys from Bungie. And we got, you know, this awesome dev. She was from uh, the Assassin's Creed franchise. And now we're making a super team. It's like, we're Bungie. We have the Twitter account Bungie. <laughs> like we're, right. we're still Bungie, and we still that name test. recognition is going to take them a long ways. Yeah, I think so. It's certainly interesting times. Evidently, they're staying on BattleNet uh, for Destiny Two. Uh, who knows if a Destiny Three, if that happens, will still be on BattleNet. Uh, I'm predicting that we will see very shortly a announcement of some sort of partnership with the Epic Game Store. Uh, because why do you say like, that? No one's doing that. <laughs> well, yeah, too early to segue, Christian. Can't segue. Oh, yet. Sorry, sorry. Uh, okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it. There are new avenues that seem, I think, very desirable from a self-publishing standpoint with a popular franchise. So they have options, but I mean, do you guys think this is a? What do you hope for? from Bungie as far as Destiny 2. It seems like to me, and from what we've kind of seen with some of Jason Schreier's reporting at Kotaku, for example, that a lot of the split, the breakup, was over the idea that Activision Blizzard wanted Destiny 2 to expand its player base and be more broadly appealing, and Bungie wanted to serve their already invested players and be sort of more concentrated on the hardcore uh, fans that they already had. So Steph, what do you think from a game perspective? I don't know how much destiny you've played, but what do you I've think? Played a bit. Yeah. What, what would you like to see them, them do? I think it's a smart, I think it's smart to invest in your like late game end game content mm-hmm. and your, your current player base. I think if after a point, if you're like only looking to get new players into your game to have the experience, then you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to run out of players. Uh, you're going to run out of diehard fans. You're going to run out of people with passion for your game, which is what drives your brand long-term. Um, yeah, it's interesting that that dichotomy is one that developers struggle with. It's hard to serve both the hardcore and the casual. It's hard to serve both, you know, get new players in and create content that has a long tail for people who have put hours and hours and hours into the game. So can it's I, not an easy balance. I want to ask you both a question as I believe different games, but I believe you're both fairly large blizzard fans. And as a company that seems to have done that well in the past, like in, you know, heroes, which I know is suffering a little bit now or, or hearthstone, what is that balance and, and what keeps you coming back to it as someone who I think I would put both of you on the, hardcore regular player and not the the noob coming to the franchise like what brought you in two part what brought you in and what keeps you coming back and do you care i guess three parts i lied three parts do you care if they bring new people in like do you want to encourage that community because you love it and everybody play this game or are you happy with the community that you have i'm in an interesting spot because i used to play so much Heroes of the Storm. Like, that was the start of my career. I was a top 10 player in Hero League 
uh, several times. Um, and I don't, I don't play the game anymore largely because of, uh, I mean, there, there's the, the esports thing, but also I, I disagreed with the inclusion of voice chat into the game, but that's, that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, but I, I loved the game a whole lot and I, course wanted more people to play it i wanted the game to be more popular because it, the rising tide floats all boats you know it is, it's awesome uh but if you're if you're not going to make if you're not going to make the the player like me who is you know i i played for hours and hours and hours and hours and i was at the top tier of play if you're not going to give me content that i enjoy that keeps me interested then we can't you know we can't we can't get new players in um so yeah i don't know where i'm going with this you have you have to balance both you need to make everybody happy the game needs to be um inclusive of new players but uh also good for old players i I will say i think some of the most popular games have a mechanic where everyone can win sometimes Hmm. um and that's like like fortnite does this it's part of what fortnite wants to achieve I think Hearthstone does this very well, where, you know, these RNG mechanics are are good design because they allow people to have these miracle wins or or just wins at all when they might not have gotten a win. All of mine um, are miracle wins if I ever win, Steph. They're all. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's exciting. That's exciting that that gets you hooked, right? Yeah. Um so it's not it can't it can't all be skill. You can't just uh celebrate skill as the the only uh differentiating factor in or, or the only thing that matters to win. It's a really interesting perspective. Um, we talked a, a while back. I'm sure you saw Steph too. When Matt Villers, who used to be on the Heroes team, um, mentioned that thing comparing what is so uh, captivating to a lot of people about Fortnite, this idea that it built into the central mechanic of how that game is built is the longer you play it, the better you're doing. So literally the the pain point of being bad at the game is softened because you're into another game. Um, and, and if you, if a game lasts a long time, that means you're doing well inherently. You, you, the only way to play a game, that game for a long time is to do well. Uh, whereas, you know, something like heroes or a MOBA or really any other multiplayer game is if, even if you're doing badly, you're in it for a half an hour or an hour or however long that match goes and you can, it just can feel torturous to be trapped in this thing where it's going poorly. And so that, that feeling of, uh, of rewarding your time investment, uh, I think adds a lot to the appeal of that game. Yeah. I, I feel like you, you should always have hope that you can win the game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's another thing that like Fortnite and Battle Royales do is by changing so many variables, every game is different. You know, the ending zone is different. Your guns are different. The, your, the enemy players are different. By just, you just tweak all the variables so it feels like a fresh experience. And therefore, it also feels like an experience that you can still win. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's terrible when it's, when you're stuck in a MOBA match that you just feel it's unwinnable for another 15, 20 minutes and you'll get penalized for leaving. That's that'll turn you off the game real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, All right. Well, that's a fascinating discussion and it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out over the next months and years uh, of Bungie and, and of the destiny franchise. You know, it's, if Bungie is striking out on their own, are they just the destiny makers? Uh, well, no, that's what, that's the ten, that's what Tencent says is that they're not or Nettie's sorry. Nettie's. Nettie's, yeah. Well, yeah. but is that, 
some side project or is that a big other franchise for them? Is that some destiny mobile game? That's it's true. A, All I've heard is that of, it's a new game, but maybe that's destiny right. three. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Isn't, isn't Nettie's and second dinner aren't, is, is Nettie's just throwing money everywhere? Like, it does <laughs> seem like, you know, I was, I was talking to, uh, um, some, some people the other day about this. And I said that Nettie's is basically the Oscorp uh, right now. Like, you know how in Spider-Man comics and, and movies, Everything always leads back to Oscorp, and it's like, oh, really? Oscorp funds that too? It's like that's that's how Nettie's feels right now. It's uh, they're funding every. They're the, you know, they were the villain in the uh, the Diablo Immortal story. They're, it's <laughs> right. like, it's very funny. Uh, all right, my story of the week. Speaking of breakups, uh, there's another interesting breakup that happened this week, and that is that Ubisoft announced that The Division 2, which is right around the corner, coming out in March, I think, um, will be on PC exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Asterix, unless you've already bought it somewhere else. Unless it's already on Uplay. Uh, So no longer will it be on Steam. Uh, It was taken down. The Steam page for Diablo 2, Diablo 2, (laughs) Division 2 was uh, taken down. And uh, they evidently have, they, as Christian referenced, it, pre-orders that are previously placed on Steam will still be honored. But I don't know if that means you'll be playing it on Steam. Uh, that's a really good question. I think you'll still be playing it through Uplay. But um, this, I think, is the mark of an exodus that's happening, or at least a competition rearing its head. Do you finally. think it's an exodus? Or do you think this was Ubisoft going to Epic because of their more generous uh, revenue share model? Or, yes, that's or, what the Exodus is. <laughs> or, Jeff and Steph, do you think that there's some version of what used to be console wars that are now digital storefront wars where like, who's paying whom here? Did Epic on any of these deals say, hey, here's you know 10 chickens, a cow, and this toaster, and a million dollars, <laughs> $10 million um, to come over to our storefront because this is publicity for both properties at this point right it's like who is this helping more this kind of shift of these big games other than do you think it's strictly just the few percentage points more on uh per game sold i think it could be uh because because steam steam selling point is this you need your game here or you're not going to generate sales hmm. it, it kind of feels a little bit mafia-esque to me uh <laughs> it's just like yeah we can whatever like like you have to use our revenue model because you will make more money having your game on steam and that's i just i think i think that's antiquated now uh you can get games all over the place yeah, they were the only only place on PC for the audience to, you know, put on a lot of these companies were like you play or trying to have their own place, but it really wasn't competitive as far as eyeballs for a storefront. And now Epic is making that making that play. I it's only speculation, it'd be pure speculation for us to uh try to guess if there was some other side deal here. But certainly on the face of it, it's a better deal. Like it's just a better deal to be on Epic Game Store right now. And until and unless Steam and Valve change their revenue model, revenue sharing model, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of this. And this is that uh, race to the bottom of cost and you know giving up percentage points. That's going to really be the competition in the space. So 
it's, it's weird times. It's really, really crazy. The, the whole PC space is, um, is changing. And I think Epic is uh, Epic game store is going to be a major player very, very fast because they have the ability to be so aggressive with pricing structures because of Fortnite. <laughs> anyway, I want to rule out some version of, and it is speculation, but paying kind of like the, you know, Sony gets the PlayStation is the bumper at the end of the X game trailer, you know, or whatever it is. Like when you watch a commercial for Battlefield, it's Xbox. You watch a trailer for Call of Duty, it's Sony or, or this out of the other. I want to be surprised that there's some more negotiations happening for these bigger games to get the Epic Game Store up and running and giving people a reason to go there other than just a, a revenue a better revenue share, which I think is appealing to a lot of people, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more to it than that. Certainly may be the case. It certainly may be. Yeah. I, th- I think we won't really see that until steam is strong armed into having a competitive revenue share. Yeah. But I agree with you, Steph, that, that for too long, steam has just been like, where else are you going to go? What are you going to do? Right. What, totally what, else gonna, what do you see? There's nowhere else. Uh, it's <laughs> us or nobody. And uh, you know, it seems like now at least, I think that will spur Steam to innovate, and it's it's only good for the end user, and it's all, all good for us. Other than the fact that we have to have like two of these clients on our PCs now or more. I'll tell you what: the rise of I know Discord has their own store as well. So it, that aside, but I think the rise of things like Discord has made for me the pain point of multiple launchers easier because before a big part of it was my friends list was on Steam, so that's where I would chat or log in to see what people are playing and connect as a group but now a lot of my and i think for others as well pc gaming the group starts on discord and then we decide what game we're going to play and then we fire it up and we're all chatting voice chatting through discord not using the m game chat if there is one not using the steam friends list so it's really made it easier to bounce between BattleNet, epic or you know steam or whatever you play because that core group is still there whereas before i think that that's where your community was with Steam. And I think that was a stranglehold for a lot of people as well. Interesting stuff. Um, we should move on, but I do want to at least uh, mention another story that kind of crept up in the last few days. It's bizarre, and I feel like we should just reference it. I don't know how much we can go into it. Christian, I know you are a current lawyer who can actually give <laughs> legal advice uh, without having to give a disclaimer. Perfect. So, <laughs> Maybe you might want to comment on it, but there's this bizarre story uh, regarding um, uh, um, <laughs> all the names around in my head. Gearbox, Randy Pitchford, yeah, right. yeah. and a thumb drive. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes, regarding Randy Pitchford and Gearbox, the makers of Borderlands, and a twelve million dollar or an accusation that Randy Pitchford, uh, the head of Gearbox stole 12 million dollars from the company uh so i don't know christian if you want to reference this it's early days we don't quite know what's going on with this lawsuit but i thought we should at least bring it up so because it's weird sure i mean yes not a lawyer anymore blah 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 um i i think it is interesting from a salacious standpoint the thumb drive and the alleged pornography on it is interesting i think at this point the relevant fact is we don't know what's happening yet in a, in a claim when you file a complaint in court. You can kind of write whatever you want. Uh, then you go about court proving it. So at this point, nothing has really – nothing's been proven. Their former attorney 
for Gearbox, I forget his first name, Calendar, I believe his last name, filed this lawsuit alleging this embezzlement of $12 million that was paid as a bonus. It should have gone to the company. And then also in this complaint writes about this thumb drive with corporate documents on it and air quote underage porn and, and blah, 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 blah. It, it's <laughs> it's scary and tabloid making and if true, horrific. But at this point, it is a complaint that I think was written more to get attention than anything else. As an attorney, Calendar has a little bit more of an obligation to be truthful in his filings than, you know, Sue from Nebraska or Bill from Alabama or, or, you know, whatever, or me, not an attorney anymore. You can kind of claim whatever you want. And then as you write these ridiculous things, you you might get uh, (laughs) tested for uh, libel slander, depending on how you express them later throughout the court but because calendar is an attorney there is an an obligation to be truthful more so than a regular person in their filings and not just bring frivolous lawsuits um so i will track it i think the the more interesting thing personally is the embezzlement than the pornography if that is true that is horrific and sad and that is not a civil complaint that's a criminal case that would come up later um my gut knowing just the complaint is that that stuff was included in the complaint to get headlines and to have people talk about it and to hopefully force Gearbox to settle out of court because they don't want even just the accusations of their CEO being into, quote, underage porn um, prolonged in news reports. So there's a lot of salacious tabloid stuff in this story, but I think the actual meat of it, we don't know much. It's just random words and allegations at this point and i think it was meant to get people talking more than to do anything else so you heard it here and we'll uh we'll keep our eyes and, and ears peeled uh so keep your eyes on this space hey speaking of eyes our first sponsor uh simple contacts i am somebody that wears contacts uh, even though uh i i <laughs> had LASIK and wish that I wasn't ever wearing them again. I have to wear contacts. And unfortunately, renewing your prescription, filling your contacts, it can all be such a pain. But I use simple contacts. And honestly, there has never been a more apt name for anything because it is simple. It is simple and it involves contacts. So there you go. Simple contacts. Uh, I love it. I use it. I just got a whole new batch of contacts using the simple contacts. They let you renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in just minutes. It's the simplest thing. You don't have to go to a doctor year after year just to renew your prescription for something that you wear daily. You can do it on your own time and really, really quickly. This is how we're supposed to do things in the 21st century. Just do it on your phone. That's what you can do. You you can uh, actually... Renew your prescription by taking a simple eye test on your phone. I have done this. It's easy. It goes, it's quick. It's, it's reliable. And a licensed doctor reviews every test so that you can skip the office visit, but not the care. Now, this does not replace your periodic eye health exam, which is very, still very important for you to have. But if you're just renewing a prescription, it's so simple. It's so easy. And they've got all of the brands that you would want. I, like I said, I had just changed brands and I was worried they weren't going to have it. Of course they have it. They have all of them. It's a great experience. It's got tons of choice and we are going to help you out. Now, remember, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but 
you can get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash DLC20 or enter code DLC20 at checkout. You can remember the 20 because it's $20 off. That's simplecontacts.com slash DLC20 or enter code DLC20 at checkout. Time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And uh, Steph, I know you do a lot of streaming. Uh, what have you been playing lately? Oh, I've been doing everything. I've been jumping around like crazy, uh, trying to find another home, figuring out what games to play, also relishing in variety streaming. Uh, but I've kind of settled down with Magic the Gathering. Wow. Recently. Are you playing the new Magic the Gathering? Yeah, Magic the Gathering Arena mm-hmm. is a free-to-play like uh, new client. It's kind of really confusing for people because it's not on Steam. And if you search Magic on Steam, you get a, you get a million things. But they've right. made a they've made a standalone client. It's really good. Um, we're in Ravnica right now in the story, which is this planet that is only city. It is a whole planet of city with 10 different guilds that are each two colors. And it's like the third time that they've taken the lore back to Ravnica uh, because it's just so popular, mostly because everyone gets uh, all, all these different guilds, all these different color combinations. You, you can kind of play like Harry Potter sorting hat, you know, find, find your, your house, uh, the people that you, you like and mesh with and agree with. And you get, you get to kind of put your personality into the game and into the, you know, characters you're playing. And, uh, yeah, so, so they're getting ready to get a new, a new set is coming out. Like the, the continuation expansion is coming out in just a few days. Uh, so I've been, I've been getting, getting hyped for that. Uh, were you a, a tabletop Magic the Gathering player or did you just get I was. I played, I, I played tabletop Magic the Gathering extensively until I started streaming, which was just like, uh, I've been full-time streaming for three years now. So right right before then, uh, I, I used to do draft like every week, you know, play Friday Night Magic every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, it just didn't work with, um, with streaming. You know, I couldn't take the camera to my local game store. So. <laughs> right. Now you can. <laughs> yeah, cool. now I can. Now I'm yeah. back. I, and, and Magic the Gathering used to have this this online client that was, um, I forget what it was called, but you know they they have one with all the cards in it. But it's just so clunky. Magic Online. Was, yeah. Yeah. Right. Magic Online. Ooh. Yeah. It was that's, that's like playing a spreadsheet. That it's that an eyesore. <laughs> not yeah. Not user friendly. And then they had sort of I can't remember what it was called, but there was a Magic the Gathering digital version that was pretty good, and I played a lot of. Uh, but this one really went back to the drawing board and arena came out, I think very much influenced by Hearthstone and how Hearthstone sort of perfected the UI of these types of games for digital. Right. Um, and you're, you're loving it, huh? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking it. There's a lot of creative space in magic. Uh, there's some mechanics, like I think the land mechanic is just, it's it's just old. You know, I think when we, when we draw cards, we want all our cards to do something. Uh, and there's this random chance of like, you won't have enough lands to play your cards or you won't, uh, or you'll, you'll draw too many lands. And I think that's just a remnant of how old the game is. And they can't really change that, of course. Uh, but, but what they can do is like, you know, bombard you with creative ideas and, you know, there's, there's more room for jank, uh, 
than ever before, uh, which which is like you know random you know, sur- surprise win cons, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. We were we were just talking last week about um, Richard Garfield's new uh, competitive tab- um, card game called Keyforge, and it certainly mm-hmm. seems like his whole career he's been trying to get away from the whole lands thing <laughs> ever since, figuring out new ways to to handle mana and and that restriction. And it's interesting, but I I agree with you that it may be a little old fashioned. It was the first game to do it, you know. So there you go. But it's still compelling and interesting to not have enough lands to play a card or to figure out that combination of colors that you want to do for a mixed deck or, you know, I, I still love it. Yeah. And there's something cool about how you could play this game offline. You don't actually need the client. If you held the cards in your hand, you, you could play it just as well. And uh, I think that's, that's the advantage of like this land system is it really allows you to have like deck building choices. Um, yeah. You know, when you and I were talking in person a while back in an event, uh, I asked you a question that that still intrigues me uh, about the fact that that you are a very much a god tier video gamer, but it doesn't it's not restricted to just one type of game. And I am amazed, and I don't understand. I still do not understand because you explained to me that you grew up with it, and you you know you. I don't know if you want to tell that story again, but you, you I, I, I could, I could, I, I, I don't know exactly how young I was when I was in front of a computer, but my dad was into computers and I had a three year older brother that was uh, also a total nerd, just like straight out of the womb, total nerd, more of a nerd than I am. Like he's, he's a doctor now he's going, doing doctor things. Um, but, but he wanted someone to play with and this predated the internet so it was, it was local area network if you wanted to play quake that was those or, or marathon that was the only choice so before i could read i was plopped in front of a computer and uh i guess the all those neurons just kind of <laughs> solidified then <laughs> yeah you just needed you had to you know, that was the only, only no choice the older brother needed you to be good at video games so you had to <laughs> right but the thing i don't get that i i know i'm sorry for being so stupid about this but like you are good at shooters and mobas and a card game like it just doesn't seem like a, a <laughs> skill set that overlaps in the venn diagram like i don't understand how you can be good at all of them <laughs> well i am i am currently only gold in magic the gathering and i haven't been top at a shooter in a long time <laughs> so Okay, good. I yeah. appreciate the praise. You, heard her, you stink at games now. <laughs> you heard her say she was top five in the world at Heroes of the Storm. Not in the world. In, North in America. North America, excuse me. But still. Yeah, where uh, were you in the world, Steph, huh? The world locked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. So what else is on your place? I'm, I'm top five in my house and only four people live in my house. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Uh, you play a lot of Magic the Gathering. What, yeah, what else? Not not a whole lot of this game, like like just this week. But I've I really like Battle Right Royale. Oh my god! Everybody's um, talking uh, about this game. Really? Are they? Because I feel like it doesn't. It's totally underrated. Um, yeah. I want to uh, not to go ahead. Name a silly inside baseball name, but I went over to Kevin Pereira's house a while back, and he was like, "Battle Right Royale, you got to play, you got to play, you got to play." And I was like, really how about that? <laughs> he's, he's all into it. So I this is like. And multiple people have told me about this. So you're, are you enjoying it? Uh, I've kind of let off a little bit. I think the player base isn't enough to like really feel fulfilled. Um, there's a, 
think that the biggest problem with the game right now, just to, well, I don't know if I should just lead into the biggest problem of the game, but, but you have a, you have a few, like, I would, I would even just say it's like less than 20 players that are just absolutely God tier at the game and they are stomping all the time and there isn't the player base to keep those people out of your lobbies. Mm. So even a casual player can end up playing in this, you know, 30 person Royale match with someone who's just amazing, but the game will be going free to play in the next few months. Uh, and, and hopefully it'll get some recognition. It is a, it is kind of a MOBA style. Each player, you, you have one character, um, with like six abilities or so and, and, uh, some consumable slots and some item slots and you're dropped onto a world where you, you look for loot just like any other battle royale, but there's a lot of cool things going on because it is a top-down game. Um, probably one of my favorite mechanics about the game is that fights. It, it kind of plays like a like a fighting game or like Super Smash Brothers. Your characters have counters, and you, your fights are kind of a dance around each other. But they generate a lot of noise, and you. Uh, Ooh, I, I lost my thought. Uh, but, but they, they generate a lot of noise and it, and they take a while. So other players can like hear you fighting and it kind of the, the, it creates these swarms of players where like if you hear two people fighting, oh, I want to get in on that because, you know, I have a guaranteed advantage because, you know, <laughs> I get to jump on them and they might be wounded already. Um, and they kind of, they kind of lean into this. By every time a player dies, it makes a loud noise and there's a red X on the map for everybody. So everyone's kind of smelling blood and, and it, it builds these really interesting engagements that way. Hmm. I haven't been hooked on a, a Battle Royale game yet. And maybe it's the top-down perspective that will get me get me hooked because I, I do love games with top-down perspectives. So. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the peak battle royale i think it's way better than you know any any other battle royale game because i feel like engagements should take longer and in in all these other shooting games it's just you know a few clicks and you're dead out of nowhere right but in this way you kind of uh at least you're gonna have a fighting chance no matter what happens i love that that's battle roy excuse me battle right royale uh anything else on your playlist Uh, i've been playing i haven't finished this game yet but i've have y'all heard of cross code I have not. I have not either. It is it is amazing. I've been really loving it so far. It is a single player um top down RPG. It is an incredible amount of depth and it is a it is a MOBA, but not a MOBA. It's you're playing in a MOBA world and it really like even even though it's a totally single player game, it really captures that feeling of like old school uh sorry, I, I misspoke, not MOBA, MMO. Uh, oh, it is, yeah, totally, totally different. But uh, it is what, it, a mobile role playing game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it really captures those feelings of um, like old school MMOs, uh, and all the NPCs are all you know. Some of them are playing as NPCs, and some of them are playing as humans, and or or, or other players in this made up world. And it kind of is a better MMO. Then MMOs, while <laughs> actually being a single player game and having this this ongoing story and narrative. That's cool. Yeah, it's got this cool like 16 bit look to it. I'm just looking it up. Uh, Crosscode. Uh, it's cool. You playing that on PC as well? Yes. Awesome. 
Christian Spicer, what about you? What's on your playlist? Two games to talk about this week. One, as promised, or as I purchased during last week's show when Nick was talking about it, I, I got Seesaw on my phone. It was, I believe, two ninety nine on iOS. And it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. If you didn't listen to last week's show, it, it well, it's made by, I'm reading it from the App Store, uh, German designer Philip Stolenmayer, uh, also did SuperType and ZipZap. And it is a... Think N plus Meat Boy type game, but you uh, very simple color palette, very bright, but like just uh, a few colors on each kind of level and simplistic graphics, but beautiful at the same time. And your goal is to collect three little circles on the level. And the way you interact with it, there are two large uh, circles, touch areas on the sides of the screen. And you can, as the name suggests, seesaw the world. And so it's all momentum based where you kind of tilt the world a little bit to the right and a little bit to the left. And your character is just kind of legs. It's like a a humanoid shape. It kind of looks like to me the way fingers, you would run your fingers on a table. Like if they weren't attached to a hand, like that's kind of the way the the little legs berserk. Remember the old game berserk? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like berserk. Yeah. That's a simpler way of putting it. If for us olds. Olds. Um, Yeah. Super olds. (laughs) <laughs> you remember when video games were first invented <laughs> unfortunately not quite but almost yes <laughs> um and you're trying to collect these three circles and then as you progress through the the challenges they become more difficult and buzz saws and spikes and traps are put into play and some levels you get to parts of it where you can't complete it because you fall into a pit and there's no way to get out so a simple swipe down refreshes the level for you but what's awesome about it is that sometimes you need to impale yourself or have a buzzsaw, you know, chop you to throw you up to a part of the level that you otherwise can't get momentum to. So dying is not the end of a level. Sometimes that is required to clear it. And it is the, the music is great. I didn't play it with sound on for probably the first, I don't know, a couple of days I was playing the game. Cause I usually don't with mobile games. Like, I wonder what the sound is like. Awesome. It's, it's really great. So if you have it, uh, try it with sound on for a little bit, if you can, and just really fun. It scratches that itch of um, frustrating, but satisfying when you complete it. And it hasn't been as frustrating. I'm not completed all the challenges yet. It hasn't been as frustrating as as some of like the later levels in Celeste, but I can see the difficulty ramping up. And then it has, uh, so I expect the later levels to get there. And then it has a, a silly narrative kind of running through it that feels Portal-esque where this person is, air quote thanking you for taking part in their testing sorry about those buzz saws um kind of along it between levels you'll get a little text-based story that progresses you really simple really elegant and it controls because you're just tilting the level really well for a platformer on mobile so if you like those types of games like an n plus meat boy um even celeste you know style platformer that's like a little bit of a puzzle element to it i highly recommend seesaw i'm not sure if it's on android i'm playing it on ios but well it worth. is i i just found it oh perfect <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. no yeah. that's a great interruption facts <laughs> yeah. uh yeah it's awesome so i'd highly recommend it seesaw on mobile and then the other uh game i spent 30 minutes with it because that's all you get unless you air quote hack it on pc is the resident evil 2 remake one shot demo is up did either of you mm-hmm. check this out yet not yet no. not. okay so it is i think if you haven't been following it 
genius what this remake is. I really loved the Resident Evil remake when it came out back on GameCube and the other versions of iterations upon that. But with Resident Evil 2, and I'm dumbing down here, but it's like imagine taking Resident Evil 4 style camera and controls and putting that into Resident Evil 2. And so to do that, they need to fundamentally rework levels in ways where because the camera's not fixed and you don't have tank controls, the jump scares can't be exactly the same. So while it feels very similar and the puzzles are having only played this 30-minute demo and then reading about it, I think same solves. The level design and layout is slightly tweaked to still have these jump scares. But then it's using the, I believe it's called the Resident Evil or RE engine, which is what they use for Resident Evil 7. And my gosh, this game is stunning. The demo takes place, it's just 30 minutes, and you're in the police station with Leon. Um, And just seeing that, location again in this resident evil seven engine um it's it's horrific like i love the resident evil games and i'm very excited for the full game oh resident evil 2 remake comes out later this month but i'm not sure if they had if graphics had been this good back when the games came out if i would have played them because it, it is grotesque and it is horrifying and like jump scares were jump scares before because of uh, item limitations and resource management. And oh my gosh, this dog can kill me in one kill. But now it's like a seriously grotesque looking zombie <laughs> that comes around a corner or guts spill out and get smashed across a window. Um, it is it is intense. It's like Resident Evil 7, Jeff, which I know you and I both played a lot of. It's it's that again. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, oh, you remember this game and you're like, oh yeah, I do remember this game and it's like, you don't remember it looking like this. <laughs> really really cool. I I enjoyed my de- time with the demo and um I have a lot of confidence that the full game is going to be going to be great as well. It's really cool. It's, it's free if you want to download it. It's called The One Shot. I know some people are having a hard time finding it in the store, but it's the Resident Evil 2 remake one shot demo in your time to uh, 30 minutes. I know speedrunners, I think the fastest I've seen is like four minutes to complete through <laughs> what the demo has. But people are speedrunning a, a demo. Yeah, of so, course. Because why of not? Of course. But yeah. it's beautiful. And it, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I think it's like two weeks out for the full game. Yeah, it does look quite amazing. I mean, Resident Evil 2 was one of the best gaming experiences I ever had. We played it, again, this will date me, but we played it in my uh, dorm room in college. And it was that classic thing that I loved so much where one person holds the controller, everybody else points out and shouts which direction to go to and watch out over here. And then everybody screams when the lurker leaps out of the glass and scares you. And man, yeah, that game was so wonderful and uh, I can't believe they gave it so much love. Like this is fully, like you said, it's a fully remade version of this game, which I'm yeah. very excited. I mean, because they literally had to change level design and layout and how things worked. And like I was reading an interview and it's like they, they use fog to kind of obscure a zombie because before you couldn't see it until you turned a corner. But now because right. of the more re4 style camera controls you could see it so they need to like there's like one area where they're talking about like they dangle bodies to block your view and it's like okay you're not only blocking my view but i'm walking to a room of dangling bodies (laughs) like (laughs) uh you gotta try the demo jeff if you're not gonna maybe just get the game when it comes out but it's i I, I would stand it too yeah did you play it on playstation 4 i played it on ps4 yeah 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 i i was planning to play it before 
we recorded, but I didn't get around to it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Excited. The, the deluge of games starts uh, very, very soon. And, uh, you know, we're all – there's too many games. Too many games. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, Speaking of too many games, I have been playing more Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I know, guys, I know. I'm still talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm sure you're sick of it by now. But uh, I decided I'm making a push to, to finish it, and I was going to finish it by this week. Still haven't finished it. I get <laughs> I get distracted. Uh, I'm officially well over 80 hours um, playing it, and uh, I just I, – I love it. I wanted to tell a quick Assassin's Creed Odyssey story because it's really all I've been playing that in Heroes of the Storm this week. Um so this will be, I guess, a minor, minor, minor spoiler. So if you're super, super sensitive, you can skip ahead, you know, a few minutes. But 45 really not- minutes, you can skip ahead. <laughs> 45 <laughs> tell you a fun story. Okay. So there's a quest, and it is on the main quest line. Uh, but, you know, it, it takes place in Greece, in ancient Greece. It's pretty obvious at some point you're going to be participating in the Olympics, right? The, you, you go to Olympia. And the way the way this this plays out is you find there's this guy who's a champion of Sparta and and you are tasked with uh, bringing him to the Olympics and ensuring that he can participate so he'll win and it's a big deal if he wins right so you have to go and get this guy and bring him to Sparta but he's kind of a screw up and doesn't want to go and it kind of drinks all the time and is it, it's kind of actually pretty wittily written it's it's funny. Uh, but one of the things he loves is this specific oil that he oils down his body before he competes in the Olympics. <laughs> so you, of course, have to go and try to get his oil. But, of course, the apothecary doesn't have the required ingredients. So you have to go get the ingredients. Classic role-playing game mission structure. You have to go get the ingredients various ways. And then you go and you get the apothecary to make the oil. You go to him and you and he, you say, I want to take you to the Olympics. And he's like, ah. And he says, do you have my oil? And, and you say, you have the option of either saying, yes, here it is, or I'll give it to you when we get there. So me, being a wise gamer, I said to myself, uh, no, I'm not going to give it to him now. I'm going to give it, wait, you got to go there first, you know? So he's like, okay, fine, we'll go. And you'll give it to me when we get there. Well, you go, and I won't spoil how it happens, but humorously he is dispatched and of course because you're the hero of this video game you have to become the new champion of sparta so and and compete in the olympics right so he is he is unable to compete you get there and they're like well we need somebody how about you and i'm playing as cassandra uh and uh so it's like cassandra you you know you are going to compete in the olympics so you go and you compete in a couple of events in the Olympics. And then at a certain point, you have to go and do this other side quest before you're able to compete in the final event. And then when you get to the final event, the guy's like, uh, all right, are you ready for the final event? Uh, do you need to do anything to prepare? And y- you know, you can say no, or you can say, well, I do have this oil <laughs> because I didn't give him the oil. I never gave him the oil because he arrived and then some bad things happened and I never gave him the oil. So I went, oh, I have an option to to just say I, st- I have this oil. You go, I do have this oil. And the guy, the quest giver goes, oh, you should put that on. It smells great. And you're like, okay. So you put that on and you get to compete in the Olympics oiled up. And it, it's, <laughs> it is uh, 
Cassandra, like, oiled up and shiny, and it is the coolest thing ever. I thought it was the coolest thing ever because the enti- that entire progress, that entire series of events, where, which have, could have gone a million different ways, the entire reward for that is that you're shiny as you fight in the Olympics. And I just it looks like you're wearing bronzer. And it's just the, the coolest reward for a, a series of decisions that I made. It could have gone a million different ways. I could have not had the the uh, the oil. I could have said, no, I don't want to put on the oil or I don't need to do anything special. But no, the game let me be oily and glistening in the sun. And I was just like, I love that. I love this game. I put on the oil and I looked like I had oil on. And my face, and my arms. It was great. It was the coolest. <laughs> Oil. That's your pot. That's your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> valid. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just like uh, I love this game. I can't I wait to game. see you tomorrow, Jeff. I, <laughs> you better be. I want to be oiled up. <laughs> be like, yeah, I should bring that into my real life. Uh, oil. <laughs> I just love that the yeah. game because I never thought in a million years I was like, yeah, I'll use the oil. I never thought in a million years the game would be like, okay, you look like you have oil on now. I just never thought that would happen. How long until the oil rubbed off, like next mission, or did you have it during uh, open world for a little bit? No, it was after that. uh, Yeah, after that, you complete that mission successfully. You're no longer oiled, which I was (laughs) bummed about. I was like, I hope I'm oiled for the rest of the game. (laughs) Yeah, at least let you collect more materials to re-oil yourself. (laughs) Yes, maybe. Yes, I should be able to just repeat that over and over as needed. Unlocked self-oil as a talent. <laughs> yeah, blows would glance off you, you know? It'd just slide right off. You're all oiled up. That spear's not yeah. going to uh, cut you anymore. I'm just saying, That's... Ubisoft, if you need, you know, a PR marketing uh, experts, uh, there's nothing that sells your game better than me talking about oil. <laughs> well, they should sell oil. <laughs> they should sell oil. Every game comes with a tiny vial of oil. It just just so if anyone ever asks, like, are you ready? Do you need to do anything? You're just be like, yeah, one moment. Like, hold up. I'm pull out this oil out of my bag. God, I hope that the, like, the next Assassin's Creed E3 reveal is just like, do, 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 do. It's like oil like coming out of a little... <laughs> <laughs> moisturizer as far as the eye can see yeah yeah just reach under your your chair we brought oil for everybody you're fascinating people across history make sure you're moisturized slide into combat slide into combat yes amazing Uh, anyway it's i guess it's possible i made a bigger deal out of that than it needs to be but you know what i loved it all right um let us move on now. I do want to thank our second sponsor, which is Robinhood. Oh, man, I like talking about Robinhood because uh, I just can't believe that it exists. It's a pretty crazy thing. It's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free, commission-free. So I'm somebody that uh, never really understood or I was kind of alienated by in- investing the idea of in getting in the stock market. Um, but this is what Robinhood is for. It's for people that aren't sure about that kind of thing, maybe don't have a lot of experience and want to be able to uh, trade stocks, but not be charged every time they do. Because a lot of brokerages will charge you up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. That You just trade stocks, you keep all the profits, and it's super easy to use. It's all done in an app, simple and intuitive. There's a, a, a really clear design 
that presents information in easy to digest way. Their entire raison d'etre, their entire reason for existing is to make this accessible, make investing accessible to people who haven't done it before. That's pretty awesome. Uh, You learn by doing. You can invest and build a portfolio, trade stocks, and uh, not have to worry about paying every time you do so. Uh, And even cooler than that, Robinhood is giving listeners to DLC a free stock to get started, like Apple, Ford, or Sprint. Helps you build your portfolio. You can sign up at dlcpodcast.robinhood.com. That's dlcpodcast.robinhood.com. Well, you knew we had to do some VR talk now that uh, that Steph is here. I'm very excited to chat a little VR. Um, Steph, you mentioned how much you are loving it. I saw on your Twitter feed some absolutely spectacular tilt brush <laughs> creations that you have made. I could not believe it. Thank you. I could not believe it. Um, there's a video. If you guys should follow ferociously Steph on on Twitter. There's a a video of a uh, I guess sort of abstract looking thing that you just, you keep zooming in and it gets more and more complex as you go in. Tell me about using tilt brush. It's not really a game, but it's certainly a VR experience. Yeah. Uh, it's wild. It's like the, <laughs> the, the, the canvas is just huge. I've always liked doodling like a stream of consciousness doodles. Like I could never, if, if you asked me to draw anything, there's no way I could. But when I, uh, I like, I like creating patterns and, and dimension and stuff uh, just by, you know, letting just, yeah, just, I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's the, like, it's like a doodle. The, right? the, the thing that I saw, I don't know if you, you know the one I'm referring to specifically. I do. It's like a sphere and you can go inside it. Um, how long did that take you to make? Cause the amount of detail and, uh, just stuff in it, just strokes, uh, you know, brush strokes in it seems intense. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was like, that was like two and a half hours, oh, really? I think. Wow. Yeah, it didn't take too long. Um, and I was, I was really inspired. It was like the first, the first thing I really made in, in Tilt Brush. I was like, the rest of the time I was messing around with like the controls and how to do things. It's really fun how you can like change dimension a whole lot like uh like that drawing started as a it was just a marble i actually used a sphere guide and then made an outside and then made a little smaller sphere and then you know decorated the outside of that sphere and then a third one so it kind of had that layer like looked like a marble Mm -hmm. and then you can just zoom that in so it's so you're tiny in in size reference to that thing and then i've you know built a little house inside uh yeah it's 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 really cool and um i i have trouble talking about it because it's it's like it's like not it's not real you know yeah it's yeah, different well, from uh like a 3d sculpture because it's kind of it's kind of more than that um well the way you describe using scale to your advantage i mean because you, you imagine a, a physical artist starting a painting and you can have a big canvas, or you can have a small canvas, or you can have a, you know, a small sculpture or a big sculpture or a small sculpture that starts small and gets bigger as you add more to it. But in this, you, you literally could start painting something in front of you and then expand it 
to the size that it's all around you. And it's the same thing. It didn't change. It, you didn't add anything to it. It just became bigger in relation to you. And now you're able to work on it at a different scale. I think that's a, that's such a new way of thinking about creating art. It's fascinating. It, yeah, it's also difficult because it means that your canvas size has this extra dimension. It's got this depth of detail that you know, how, how detailed are you going to go in all these places? Because the, the detail is in, in, in a sense infinite. Right. You know, are you going to, if you're going to have like, if you're going to try to like brush strokes, some kind of flower, how, how far are you going to zoom in on that? How much, you know, are you going to add these details at what scale? And at some point you have to like, I guess you have to limit yourself. I don't know how tilt brush artists actually do it at all. I can't imagine. I feel like I would be infinitely self-critical if I tried to make something like super impressive. Well, I think there's well, like was, art that could be hidden in art in a way, right? Like yeah. imagine like the Mona Lisa existing on the only like the inside unbloomed petal of a beautiful Monet field of sunflowers and but for does anyone discover it? <laughs> you know, like yeah. the 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 world of and I think Monet is the one that I, I've seen some incredible like Starry Night and and that type of like recreation of that style of painting in um uh tilt brush and like where that yeah it, do you turn and look at a thing and if you there's somewhere you know you look at it from the back and it's completely different than the front and and yeah an infinite canvas that to me what kind of clicked is it's like a uh an unrasterized image where like as you a fractal you know yeah yeah like yeah as you zoom in it still retains its crispness until you zoom all the way in and you see it's the illuminati <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no end you zoom in further and you're back at maximum scale <laughs> yes <laughs> right? yeah it, it's terrifying <laughs> i think yeah uh yeah. i i i had this observation that you in order to share the work it has to be through video you can't actually share it without you know another person putting on a vr headset or by actually moving the perspective around is the only way to capture the work well and then there's a whole other way to experience it which is actually being inside it yourself you know because you could send that to somebody else and they can just wander around inside it. So you have this thing that's beautiful as viewed like a painting or like a, like a picture, but is also beautiful as a sculpture that you can wander around inside. It's, it works both ways. It's pretty amazing. I, I really appreciate your praise, by the way. Uh, oh, dude, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, on top of everything else, she's a freaking artist too. It's <laughs> only fair. top five in the U S though. Not the world. <laughs> right. Well, it's cool too, because uh, yeah. like you were talking about sharing, sharing it with video, the video, it starts off and it's this cool, I mean, I'm totally, I don't mean to be blowing smoke, but it, it's this cool sphere and it like, and the, it keeps zooming inside it and you're like, oh, there's going to be something cool inside the sphere. And then it keeps going and going and going. And there's like more and more detail. It's, it's a trippy effect. That's really, really cool. So, yeah. Thanks. I've I've made a few other small pieces since that I haven't shared. So I I think I'll do that now. I'll, the next few days I'll. Well, I, I hope you do. There'll I, be more VR VR art on my Twitter feed. The art, I guess. The art. <laughs> um, I have I have experimented, especially right when uh, you know the Vive came out. I, I experimented a lot with tilt brush. I didn't make anything remotely as interesting or cool, but it is just inherently fun to paint something in the air around you and then 
look at it from all angles. And I mean, it's just, it's just a whiz bang cool thing. You know, you might've called yours more of a V fart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it, Christian. Thank you. All right. I'm good for the show. I'll see you guys (laughs) next week. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, what else is (laughs) your, your journey of discovery in the, in the VR space? Uh, What else have you been using? And I got, I had a friend introduce me to VR chat. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I found it pretty I found it pretty incredible. Although I was hanging out with their friends, so I did have a kind of curated experience, and I was just kind of mind blown at uh, the the possibilities of choosing your avatar. Choosing your avatar is really hard in VR chat, and I guess that that's the case for a lot of RPGs. But this idea that everyone gets to look exactly how they want to look. Um, and I kind of, I feel like that's kind of the future of humanity, right? Like I, I, and it's a big, it's a big part of why, um, VR chat becomes this like addicting escape for a lot of people is that they get to be perceived how they want to be perceived. And that, that gives them this rush of like, I want to keep going back. I don't want to be in the real world. I want people to see me how I want them to see me. Um, yeah. Which I think, which I think is dangerous, you know, like that. That'll... Well, I think it's what, uh, despite its shortcomings, both I think as a novel and as a film, but I think that Ready Player One hit on so well with the idea of VR that that is who you are and not what you are in the real world, so to speak. Like you, you inhabit this body that looks a certain way, acts a certain way, and moves a certain way, and you're able to express, you know, how you want to be seen. And I think with VR, you know, Jeff, you've talked about it a lot. Just the the change of scope and scale makes doing that because people, you know, second life or home on PlayStation or a lot of RPGs or MMOs have certainly played with that. But I do think there's something um, that different about seeing it as a person, you know, kind of in scale as you would see and perceive another person changes that from how second life you're kind of this very janky avatar, you know, flying around a world with like, a cloud behind you or, you know, whatever I think you that, had to the, the real, the real difference, the real next step. And, and it's hard to understand unless you've done it is see, even though it's just your head and hands being tracked, seeing what is instantly recognizable as human movement. Like there is something that you just instantly recognize as being uh, not an animation, as as a human being actually moving, but they look not like a human being, perhaps, or like something else. It is, it's extraordinary, and that that and you are like you're saying, Christian, you are uh, in in scale with it. You are you can relate to it. You can look eye to eye. You can you feel like the same size as this digital being in front of you um, that moves like a human being. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean the immersion of VR matters a whole lot too. You're you. It's easy to forget that you're if you're playing Second Life, you know you're staring at a monitor, but with the headset on, you sometimes kind of lose awareness of reality um, or true reality, I guess. Base reality, I think, is the correct term. Uh, Also, in VR chat, a lot of people like most people like talking in front of mirrors, so they can. They can see their avatar and see how they see themselves and and internalize their avatar as themselves. Uh, wild, 
So wild brain places. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to belabor the point, but you, you mentioned it being a little scary. Do you think that there's a, do you sense a chance uh, of losing yourself or kind of uh, it, it, you going too deep or something like that? I don't think personally. I mean, I, I like, I like base reality. I, <laughs> right. I like, you know, how I look, but that I realize that that is a privilege. Um, and I, I think people will really, will really crave, uh, some people really do crave being seen as their avatar more than themselves. Uh, but I think it also, it also can be therapeutic in the way that it, it can build self-esteem and, and, you know, people, yeah, it, or it allows you to be more confident, you know? Yeah. Or even empathy. Like it, the idea right. of using VR to experience what it's like to be somebody else is pretty powerful too. And there's a lot of research in that, that area. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But as it just gets more and more visually persuasive, I think you're going to have more and more people getting addicted, hmm. uh, dangerously addicted to the space. Hmm. Well, what games have you been playing in VR? Transition awkwardly <laughs> away from that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've played, I've played super hot VR. I played all the standards. I think, I mean, probably stuff that, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of super hot was cool. Uh, I like, I like, uh, beat saber. I've been yeah. really enjoying beat saber. So I good. just, I just proof of concept that I could do the like the mixed reality thing since I have oh, a huge cool. green screen here. Yeah. So I might I might show that off later. I, my computer's not fast enough. But, show off you your know. Beat Saber moves. Yeah, the sponsors come talk to me, please. Give me a new computer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, but I also played most most of the way through a game called Budget Cuts. Oh, I love that game. It was really fun. It was a blast. Uh, it's kind of a, you're like the last human worker um, and in, in this like corporation that makes robots <laughs> and everyone, all the humans are getting replaced by robots and you're like the last, last human left and you have to fight your way out using uh, office supplies. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's got fun. this cool stealth and, and uh, uh, you're, you're sneaking around and uh, hacking things and evading capture and it all in, in first person in VR. And it's so fun. It's so effective. It's, it's like a, like you're playing splinter cell or something, but in, in VR, it's great. Yeah. I think the primary draw is the movement system. They've got a really unique locomotion system where you kind of, kind of shoot, you shoot a little translocator on the ground that it's very portal-esque. It, it shows you, it, you get a little camera view of where your translocator is. So you can kind of see where you're about to be before you decide to teleport, which is like really important in a um, stealth kind of game. Yeah. So it's cool. There's like a robot, you know, patrolling a hallway. You can shoot your little movement thing uh, into the corner and see when the robot isn't looking. So then you can move there. Uh, just at the right time to evade capture. And it, it's so clever, so cleverly done. Really cool game. Uh, again, that's called Budget Cuts. And uh, I think it's on Steam VR, right? Yep. I will, disclaimer, the final mission, uh, light spoiler, is kind of a horror game. The game at the very end kind of pivots into being uh, escape a larger monster that you can't kill. Hmm. Uh, and I actually put the game down there because I wasn't, I couldn't handle it. It was just too much. 
uh, I don't really like horror. I don't want to participate in horror. And, it, you know, so, so if you have a particular sensitivity to that, you don't know what you're getting into when you uh, buy the game, but it's, it'll, it's there. <laughs> I never did get to the last level. So that's interesting to know. Huh. Uh, I've been playing a, uh, a VR game uh, for a while now that came out a while back, but I haven't mentioned it on the show yet. <clears throat> and it's uh, the VR version of Talos Principle, which is a game I loved uh, just in, in 2D back when it came out. God, I don't even know what year. I should have looked it up. Uh, it's been out quite a while. But uh, Crow Team put out a VR version a while back. And this game works really well in VR as well. It's beautiful. I've been playing it on Oculus, but it looks gorgeous in VR. And the the basic idea of Talos Principle is that you are this sort of robot thing uh, and you are in a weird sort of garden <laughs> world where uh, there are a series of challenges. It's, it's a, a puzzle rooms basically where it's also kind of like portal uh, in the sense that uh, portal had, you know, uh, little turret robots that will kill you instantly if they see you. Uh, there's a lot of that in Talos principle, but you have these things that can turn them off that can also turn off doors and, and uh, turrets and sensors and stuff. And you got to figure out where to put things and where to move things and where to rest stuff and flip switches and turn levers. So it's all very little actual dexterity involved. Um, most of it is thinking things through and doing stuff in the right steps. It's super fun in VR. I really enjoyed the game a lot in uh in 2d when i played it but i'm revisiting it in vr it's a blast it's got some really clever puzzles and then there's a sort of underlying narrative of the world as well that you discover by um unlocking these little terminals that you can you can type your answers uh to a an ai and you have these little sort of wacky ai conversations that reveal this fun narrative that's uh this the structure of the world you're trapped in uh, Talos Principle, it plays great in VR and it's a great game overall. So I'm, I'm digging it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let us, uh, let's thank our final sponsor, which is Bombfell. Uh, you heard me talk about Bombfell last week. Uh, I've just been getting some clothes from them. I love it. My wife was complimenting me on the clothes. I put them on. I always like getting a new Bombfell uh, package and uh, putting them on. And, and my wife goes, that looks good. I like it. Uh, and it's happened every time. <laughs> she really likes the clothes. They fit great. Um, but this is because uh, Bombfell actually uses human beings to help me improve my style. Uh, you get matched up with a personal stylist. You tell them some of your uh, preferences, how, how you want to improve your style. If you want to, you know, get work clothes or you want to have fun recreational party clothes, or you just want to, you know, look, look good. They ask you some questions. Uh, and then they send you an email that's personalized to you with some suggestions of a cool look or two. And you can say, yeah, I like that, but I'd rather this be that. You can have this conversation because it's a human being and you email them. I did it myself, uh, like four or five emails back and forth. Like, oh, I already have something similar to that shirt. Just something else. And they go back and they keep recommending things. And then they send you them in the mail and when you get the clothes, you have seven days to tell Bombfell what you want to keep and you send the rest back. So the cool thing is you actually save money based on how many of the items you keep. So you get 10% off if you keep two or more items, 15% off if you keep three or more items, or 20% off if you keep four or more items. So this is what they call keep more, get more. Uh, it's pretty cool. 
Um, and it's super easy. I've enjoyed it very much. And I get clothes that look way nicer than anything I'm going to get for myself because I hate shopping. It's really the solution for people like me that, that hate shopping for themselves, but love looking good. And we negotiated with Bombfell to give y'all $25 off your first purchase. Just visit bombfell.com slash DLC. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash DLC for $25 off your first purchase. Bombfell. Open and clothes. Uh, all right. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But uh, ferociously, Steph, thank you so much for being here. You've been awesome. Thank you. It's been great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, tell people where they can see you and the stuff that you put out on the internet. Uh, yeah. The most important links are my Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com slash ferociously s and uh twitch which is ferociously steph very cool christian spicer what do you got going on this week if you're in la uh the day this comes out monday you should be able to see me at the comedy store tuesday i will be at flappers i think at seven i think those are known shows this week if you're around and then twitter is an easy way to get in touch it is at spicer and then Twitch, which is pretty much just this show, but it is live Sunday nights at 7.15 p.m. You can come hang and chat with us. It is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Jeff, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do a show all about movies and TV shows called the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. We're about to record our 500th episode. Which wow. thank you, yeah. Which happens tomorrow, um, so that'll be out this week. And in it, we are going to talk about the. Our, we're going to list our top five movies since we started. So that's two, April of two thousand eight. So it's been ten years, over ten years. Uh, and so uh, I've been having to come up with only five movies from the last ten plus years. Dark Knight one easy. through five. Yeah, it was Avatar, Avatar, one, Avatar, Avatar, Avatar. Dark Knight 2, Dark Knight 3, <laughs> Dark Knight 4. And then Dark Knight 5 really drove the franchise home for me. I don't know if you saw yeah. that one. Dark Knight 5 still dark nighting. <laughs> the darkest <laughs> of all nights. Yeah. <laughs> too dark, too night. I like that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah, so listen to that. That's at uh, slashfilmcast.com or wherever you find podcasts like this one. Um, all right, guys. Let's uh, wrap the show up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Ferociously, Steph, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, well, I suppose my, my parting gift is just a, a reminder that it's okay to be weird, that who you are is valid. And that uh, most everyone else in this world doesn't doesn't know what they're doing. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that imposter syndrome because most people in the world right now have it. Uh, just keep on doing you, I guess. <laughs> That's so great. I love I love that. It's so true. You always think everybody else has it figured out but me. And it's so not true. Everybody is is equally mystified by what they're supposed to be doing <laughs> nobody knows you know, this world is just i mean the internet's changing so fast careers are changing so fast we're we're surrounded by technology we couldn't possibly conceive we're just you know 
in in the large scheme of things, we're all really dumb. Yeah. And uh, so you shouldn't be too hard on yourself for making mistakes or what have you. Yeah. Let's all be dumb together. We can all, we can all support yeah, each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fantastic. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Christian Spicer. How about you? You got a parting gift? I do. I talk about it generally uh, on the show quite a bit. So I'm doing it again. And that is committing to charity and volunteerism and, and finding some fun way to get involved. Um, my wife's Christmas gift to me this year was actually, or this past year, was her doing the research for a charity that our whole family could be involved with. While oftentimes money is what helps the most, especially um, locally, because they th- those charities know how to spend the money to get the most use from it. Um, we were looking for a way that gets our kids involved and they can see giving back. So starting next week and then monthly, we are going to be um, responsible for planning and preparing and getting out um, meals with a local homeless shelter. And it's something that the, my kids are going to be involved with and friends in the community. And we're going to ha- get everybody involved and, and you know help make the world a better place. So whatever that thing is for you, I understand that finding a charity that you support can uh, be scary because there's a lot of them and finding one that you like and you don't Google and it's like, well, this one actually is garbage and they really, what they take all your money and kill whales with it or, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> it is. Kill whales with money. That's with money. Be so yeah, they, difficult. They plug they the blowholes with yeah, oh, fat $100 bill wads. Um, but <laughs> what I thought was so wonderful about my wife's uh, Christmas gift to me was the gift of doing that research. And so I think if you are, suffering from analysis paralysis of picking a charity, maybe think of it as that that can be a gift you give someone. You do that research, you find something you really want to support and you and your friend or partner can go out and uh, start making the world a better place and start locally and then build from there. Awesome. It can be hard to know what's, what's canceled nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a listener-suggested parting gift. This one was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you can send any questions or comments you might have about the show. Uh, this is from uh, Joe Kafchinski from uh, Herndon, Virginia. Okay, I'm going to go with Herndon. Yeah, Herndon. Um, Joe writes, Hi, Jeff, Christian, and esteemed guest. I have a parting gift suggestion the YouTube and podcast series, History Respond. This is a series hosted by a couple of historians who bring on various experts to discuss the historical context of video games. There are, of course, multiple hours on your various Assassin's Creeds and Calls of Duty, but they also cover topics like the history of Christian iconography throughout the lens of Diablo 3 and how popular conceptions of medieval history are shaped like games like Dragon Age and The Witcher. It's fun and informative and will maybe make you feel marginally less distraught about spending 100 hours playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. (laughs) Spoiler alert, their Greek history expert thinks it's great. Oh, good. Uh, Just search for History Respond in YouTube or your preferred podcast app. Thanks, Joe. That's a a great suggestion. Uh, My parting gift is... uh, <laughs> a documentary that I only intended to watch a couple of minutes of because my wife fell asleep on the couch where we were watching Hulu. And I was like, okay, well I'll just, instead of getting up and waking her, I'll just switch over to something. I'll watch a few minutes of it and then I'll just go to bed. Uh, and so I put on too funny to fail, which is a documentary about the Dana Carvey show that was made in the nineties and I ended up watching the whole hour and a half of it because I could not turn it off 
because it is fantastic. If you're like me and you remember the Dana Carvey show, you're going to love it. But even if you've never heard of the Dana Carvey show, you are going to love this documentary because it was this incredible breeding ground for the best comic talent of our generation. Both Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert got their first jobs on the show. Uh, it, it is, it, it's a wonderful oral history of how this show was made and then spectacularly failed. <laughs> uh, and it's so funny. It's funny hearing them tell stories. It has some of the funniest um, sketches uh, that I've ever seen. There's a sketch called uh, waiters who are nauseated by food that is stars uh, Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert that I was, I would like hurt myself laughing from it. My tears streamed down my face. So I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. It's called too funny to fail. Uh, just give it a watch. You're going to love it. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to ferociously Steph and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and zero star. Thanks to everyone that writes into DLC feedback at gmail.com. We appreciate you. Thanks to all of our live listeners. Uh, who are hanging out in the chat, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you as well. And thank you to you for downloading the show. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.